guest speaker with us this morning. We've got Joao. Joao is the church online and the online director for Greenhouse Gainesville. He is an incredible leader, disciple, follower of Jesus, and he's gonna bring the word and I'm excited about it. So let me pray for him. And then I want us to give one more wild South Florida welcome. Lord, we pray your grace over Joel. God, speak to him for your glory and the benefit of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, wild applause for Joel as he brings the word. I appreciate you. Hey, aren't you thankful for some good leadership? Is this gonna fall, by the way? We're good here? We're good, all right. I walk around a lot, by the way, and I got ADHD, so hopefully you keep up with me. Um, come on, aren't you grateful for some great leadership? Come on, there you go. Man, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful for men of God who have literally let their lives to build a local church. And so John and Nancy, I don't know where he walked out, but we love you. Your muscles look amazing this morning. We got to honor that. You guys ready for the word? You guys ready for the word? Uh, man, there's some faith in the house. Come on, I am impressed with Jesus this morning more than anything. And so if you're sitting in your seat, let's just give a God a shout of praise on one, two, three. Come on. We woke up this morning. We got breath in our lungs. And uh, man, any, uh, any Portuguese or Brazilian people in the house? That's what I'm talking about. Nice to meet you. My name is João, by the way. It's, I'm from Portugal. If you can't say it, just call me JWOW, like Jersey Shore, for those of you who are old enough to know. Anyways, if you're Younger than 26, it's okay. You probably won't even know. But I'm grateful, and so I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to pray it like I feel it. Can I do it? You guys can take some notes. We're going to be teaching today on servant leadership. That's like, that's like saying jumbo shrimp. It's, it's an oxymoron. It's almost a paradox. That's almost like saying like, you know when someone says like, like, like yeah, 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 like maybe. I'm like, yeah, you just said yeah, yeah, but maybe. But we're going to pre preach on this thing, and I'm going to pray that God reveals something beautiful to us. Are you guys ready for it? And so, Jesus, this morning, we are impressed with you. We love you. And we're honored to be here in your presence, God. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice that have walked in here just broken, Lord, your word says that you come near the brokenhearted. And so, Father, if there's any marriage on the rocks, Lord, we ask you that you would speak life into dead bones, Lord. Lord, we pray for those of you here, maybe with a cancer diagnosis or sickness, Lord, we serve a healer, Lord. Lord, you made the world with your hands, Father. You could put our bodies back together, God. And so we love you and we sense you and all we want is you. And lastly, I pray for anybody watching, even online right now, God, if they're feeling alone, Lord, we know that even when we feel like we don't deserve your love, you give it always, Jesus. And we love you and we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody said. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. So hey, we're gonna open up the Bible first um, because sometimes if the preacher stinks, as long as you have the Bible, that is all you need, amen? So we're going to read John 13. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read out of the CSB, um, or you could also see it right here too. And it goes like this, and Jesus is about to go on the cross. Um, how many of you know, um, if you are on your deathbed today, the final seconds of your life really mattered? What you say matters, who you spent it with matters. And I want y'all to have this weight. As you're reading this, Jesus knows he's about to go to a cross. And we got ourselves in the Last Supper, and it says this. Before the Passover meal, Jesus knew. Oh, you know what? Yeah, we stand for the word of God. We're going to interrupt real quick. You guys can stand for the word of God. That's what I call some reverence. Amen. Look at that. Look at me being irreverent. Let's stand for the word. Thank you, brother, for that. You're leading worship this morning. You didn't even sing. Come on. It goes like this. 
Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew. Everyone say, Jesus knew. I want you all to put a, a little mark there. Jesus knew. Look at your saber, neighbor and say, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas. Some translations say the devil had entered into Judas. Simon Iscariot's son to betray him. Everybody say, Jesus knew. You can say it a little bit louder. Jesus that the Father had given everything into his hands and he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Jesus knew who he was, whose he was, and what he had access to. So he got up from supper, laid his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon and Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter, like all of us in his pride, we would have answered the same way. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only wash my feet, but also my hands, my head. Just, do it. Just bathe me right now. Like, I want all of you. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he who is completely clean, you are clean, but not all of you. For he, everyone say, knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Just a couple more verses. It says this. And when Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer clothing back. He reclined again and said to him, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and master, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. By the way, Jesus said he was God, not just a teacher. Can I get an amen? So if I, the Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done for you two more verses and this is where it gets juicy and good truly I tell you a servant is not greater than his master and his messenger is not greater than the one who sent him last verse if you know these things you are come on say it a little louder if you know these things you are if you know them study them yeah 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 if you do them and so y'all can take a seat we're going to get into this a little bit. Um, my question is this. Have you ever known something so deeply that it changed the trajectory of your life? You know what I'm talking about? Because most of the times your life will go in the trajectory of what you know. The Bible says for how a man thinks in his heart, there he, there you go. Some Bible experts know what I'm talking about. Let me explain. So, so my wife and I, I got married four years ago. Holler at your boy. Let's go. I got married four years ago to a beautiful Latina. And, uh, and here's the thing, like, like, before I ever knew she liked me, like, you know when there's like, you know, it's, we call it like some lukewarm love, neither hot nor cold. You're just like in the middle. Like, you neither know what's going on. You kind of like each other. You have no idea. So I didn't know she liked me. So what I did was, you know, obviously, listen, your boy was like 18, 19, okay? I went on dates with other girls, and I was trying to figure this out. 
because I didn't really know that she liked me. But here's the thing. When I ended up finding out that I knew that she liked me, listen, your boy was all over in there. I called her mom. I called her brother. I called her sister. I went knocking at your door. I took her to a place called Empanada Mama in New York City where the best empanadas are in Jesus' name. And like, I'm taking her all these dates. Why? Because my life changed how I related to her based on what now I knew about her. Same with my dad. Like, you know, I'm an immigrant, came from Europe at a young age. And um, my, my dad, he applied for residency. I think it was 1984. They didn't get approved. I think I was probably one years old or two years old. They didn't get approved until 95. They waited almost 11 years. The moment he found out that he knew that he could come into this country, oh, you best bet, his life completely changed. He got on a ticket, got a plane, got everything. He, your boy bought an American flag, was excited, came over the Atlantic Ocean. He probably, I mean, my dad has more American flags than European flags. I'm like, boy, you're a traitor. Just like, come on. Like, <laughs> I love it. No, but he loved this country. Why? It completely changed the trajectory of his life. Why? Because now he knew he had access that he didn't before. Why? Because your life trajectory will always go by based of what you but it's also true of the opposite. Your life will also follow in the direction of what you don't. I once had a gym membership that I found out two years for free, I could have gone. I found out a year later after it expired. Your boy could have been getting swole the whole time. I remained skinny. I didn't go to the gym. I just didn't know I had a gym membership. But you see, this goes a little bit deeper because this goes back to our relationship with God because here's what could happen. It goes about with anything. Hear me. Because... If you don't know you are loved, you will live your whole life accepting a love that is counter to the love of Christ. When you don't know who you are, you will live your life comparing yourself to everybody and everything. Why? Because life comes down to what you know. And here's what happens too. When you don't know that you have forgiveness of sins, you will live your life in the pit of shame and depression and guilt. Here's what happens. When you don't know about this thing, and here's, listen, when you don't know who God is, you will allow the world to define who he is. Come on. Like, like when you don't know this thing and here's what could happen and here's the tension and here's the problem oftentimes is how many times do we live our life like we don't know what we have access to? Oh, we say we're in Christ. Oh, we're seated in heavenly thrones and we have this God of the universe who all power, all authority, everything has bowed at his feet. He could heal cancer. He could do all these things. But how many times do I come to him and I forget who this king is? I say I have redemption, but I live my life in the pit of shame. I, I say I could come to him because he's a good God, but I often live my life not with the abundance that he's promised me. How many times do I live like I don't know what I have access to. Are y'all with me? Let me give you a litmus test and you could write this down to define if you really live from what you know or not. What do your prayers look like? Can, can, I, can we get a little real? Can we have some fun? By the way, this is family, by the way. So can we be real? Can we, be, can we get, have some fun real quick? Wait, like this is family real quick. How do your prayers look? Um, I, w I went to Starbucks this morning don't don't judge me. I don't know if you're a Starbucks. Don't get. I don't know if like you're. I don't know if you're a coffee snob and you have to go to like a local mom and pop shop. Whatever it is, God loves you. And uh, I went to Starbucks this morning and I realized I'm like I sound like a I, I sound like a diva right now. This coffee order is crazy. 
I'm like, I'm ordering, and as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my God, I hope they're not like, I hope they don't think I'm like those types of people. I'm so detailed. I'm like, can I have a matcha green tea latte? But like, I know that you put four scoops, but like, can I just get two? Because it's a little strong, caffeine, ADHD, does it go too well? And, um, you know, can I have like, I want some hen- uh, honey, and I'll, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> anyway, some of you guys called that. Uh, let me get some honey. Let me get some cinnamon. And then I'm like, uh, but by the way, I, I like it at 100 degrees, ma'am. <laughs> no, it's your story. I really do. And actually, some of them have like a little meter. It gets a, I like mine at 100 degrees. And I'm like, just please make sure you don't put more than two scoops because the caffeine will make me go off the walls. And, and then, I, then I asked her if she could like mix a little bit of like, like whipped cream in there. And I could tell this lady, it's like, oh my gosh, like I went to school and I feel like I have to memorize your order more than anyone in this moment. But it, but it really did hit me this morning. I'm like, why are my Starbucks orders more detailed than some of my prayers? Come on. Like, like, why are my Starbucks orders more detailed than some of my prayers? I serve the God of the universe. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. The Bible says that all authority and power bow to him. Why do I live my life like I don't know what I have access to? Someone, like, like I, 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 I pray with these guys and we start off with one hour, two hours, three hours. A couple months later, we're doing like six, seven hours. And I used to think that was long until you realize the God that you have access to and you can ask. See, it's not that prayer is too long. It's just that often we go too long without praying. I want to ask you the question, and I'm getting somewhere with this. Do you know, everyone say no, what you have access to? Look at your neighbor and say, no. Just kidding. <laughs> I like this crowd over here. They're cool. Um, I'm getting somewhere with this. You live by what you know. Um, so we open up the text today, a beautiful, beautiful text. It's one of my favorite texts in scripture. And it's the Passover. Jesus is about to go on the cross. By the way, no one, everyone keeps thinking like people put it. Yeah, they put him on the cross. The Bible says because he allowed it. He's God. He, he allowed it. The Bible literally says that no one took my life. I gave it. Amen. And he's there in this moment with his friends, with his brothers. And he could have done anything. He knew he was about to reign in glory a couple days later. But instead... He gave the time of day to a bunch of 12 misfits who he called on a journey. And he's in this room and, and here, here's what's crazy. We have to understand a couple of things. Let me, let me lay the groundwork real quick. We have to know who God is real quick. Um, Jesus wasn't just a human being. The Bible says he was God and man, transcendent yet imminent. What does that mean? That any star you've ever seen, his glory and power is way more powerful than any nuclear bomb. Listen, angels bow down. The Bible literally says he is the radiance of the glory of God. What does that mean? Whatever God was, it was in Jesus. He is the second head of the Trinity. Listen, we, it's not some puny little thing. He's not just a religious teacher. He's the God of glory. Amen. Hear me. He's the God of glory. So, okay, fine. That's who he is. Then here's the second thing that blows my mind about Jesus is that Jesus knew this. It's why Jesus could sleep in the middle of a storm because he knew he had authority over it. When you know the power of God, you could sleep in some situations where everybody's freaking out. Most of your sleepless nights is because often we forget to trust in the power of God. It's why Jesus took four days to get to a dead Lazarus. 
Why did he take four days? Because he knew when he was arrived, he was just going to call him right out of that grave. He didn't need to rush because he knew. If Jesus has taken forever in your life, it's because he knows he's in control. Why? Jesus lived his life like he knew. In other words, Jesus knew who he was, whose he was, and what he had access to. But here's where the story gets a little crazy. The Bible says that he got down on his knees. And he, the glory, the radiance of God, the transcendent king who literally made the universe and, and he spoke your very breath, by the way, in your lungs is the ruach, it's the spirit, it's the breath of God. It means if you have breath in your lungs, God still has a plan over your life. You gotta understand a little bit something. This is not a puny little king who claimed this is not Gandhi or Muhammad. This is the Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. And he's in this moment, yet instead of going and trying to be this awesome king, he got down to serve his friend's feet. Y'all got to see this picture real quick. And I'm looking at the text and I'm just like, really? Like, like he took off his, his garments. It's just a symbolism of, of him laying down his flesh. He took off his kingly robe, all the power and authority he decided to take off in this moment to serve. Are you kidding me? The holiness, the ones that the seraphim cry, holy, 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 those that the demons shudder are now, this very God-man is at his feet ready to serve, and he's ready to clean the dirt off some people's feet. They didn't have Old Spice body wash back then, y'all. These are old Palestine roads with desert. There's like, like animal stuff all over the ground, and they're stepping on this, yet the king of glory is washing and I need, to, I need you to see this. The text starts with the Bible says that Jesus knew that he had access. Here's why. Jesus knew so much that he had already the glory in heaven, so he didn't need earthly glory. Come on, y'all, hand this one. Let me, go, let me take this a little further. When you know that you're already great, you don't need to demand for people to make you great. Because true authority doesn't need to try to prove itself. It already knows itself. The reason that Jesus was able to get down and serve is because here's the reason why. I become a servant when I know who I am, whose I am, and what I have access to. I don't need anything else. Why? It's super important. Because oftentimes, we will try to claw our way to the top not knowing that we are already in the top with Jesus. Is this helping somebody? The insecure are into titles, but the secure are into towels. And we can open up to Philippians 2. Y'all are going to put it on the screen real quick. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a, come on, a little louder, by assuming the form of a, taking on the likeness of humanity. Jesus didn't serve because he was subservient. He served because he knew his strength. Jesus didn't serve because someone forced him to. He served because he knew who he was. 
And here is the shift in leadership when we talk about it. The world says leadership is how cute you look on IG. Haven't you guys realized that? We live in a world that wants you to know how much they know what they're worth. We're going to keep it real a little bit real quick. Don't you realize we live in a world of like people that want you to know who they are? Just like if you knew who you are, why do you have to try to keep telling everybody? Like if you know who you are, just live from who you are. And here's what I realized a little bit about life is that some of the most humble, kind, generous, selfless people I have ever met were also the most secure people I have ever met. And so today, we're going to get into the text, and I got three or four points for you guys, depending on time. If you're asking yourself, why does this matter? Like, why does it matter? Like, who cares? I could just live my life, and, and here's why it matters. And maybe this will actually help you a little bit. The Bible says you are blessed if you do these things. Okay, okay. The word there, blessed, is actually closer to the Greek word that means happy. Well, that sounds crazy. If I get down to clean some dirt, it means, it means I'm happy. And, and you're seeing something a little bit. We see this in scripture all the time. It's an upside down kingdom. In other words, you will have happiness if like doing things that you never thought you'd have to do. And, until here's what I realized. Um, you are happier the more that you put your life in others. You see, I have proof of this. Look at Matthew 6. It says this. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat. What you will drink what you will put on, but seek first the kingdom of heaven. Apparently, anxiety comes from those who think about themselves too much. And I, listen, I'm just saying this from personal experience. I realized in my life, the moments that I was the most anxious were the moments I have the most self-preservation, the moments I was just about myself, until I realized a little bit about the Christian faith. Jesus says true happiness doesn't necessarily come with money. It doesn't come with status. It doesn't come with a relationship. It comes this, if you are selfless enough to know that you can serve a king and secure in who you are in him, you will be happy. Is this helping somebody? And so I'm going to give you guys three or four things. Thanks for being up here with me, man. I almost told him before, I like his personality. He's actually really funny for, I don't know why, he's cool. Um, Y'all could write these down, um, which I'm super excited to go through these. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Everyone say, I know what I have access to. See, servant leadership is only possible for those who are secure in who they are, whose they are, and what they have access to. So number one, I'm going to give you guys a couple principles. Um, and it goes like this. Number one, servant leadership empowers rather than overpowers. I could write that down. Servant leadership empowers rather than overpowers. Here's what's radical about the Christian faith is that most people in history who claim to be God, they love to flex their powers. Here's what's crazy about Jesus. He never, have you realized, he never used his powers on himself? How crazy is that? So for most of us as believers, we're like, hey, man, God, I want to reign because like I want, no, Jesus is like, no, you reign because you bless others. That's why you reign. And people say, well, well, power corrupts. Well, that's part of true about most of history, right? Power 
does corrupt most humans. But that's not always true because Jesus had all the power, but he was never corrupt. Instead, power doesn't corrupt. Let me put it like this. Power actually reveals. Power is kind of like money. Money doesn't always corrupt. Money just reveals who a person already is. So if you give a, a generous person money, he will continue being generous with what you gave him. If you give a kind person money, they will remain, they'll be even more kinder. If you give a generous person, a nice person some money, what are they going to do? It's only going to magnify who they already are. You give a stingy person some money, they will spend it real quick on themselves. You give a person that doesn't know any financial literacy what's going to happen. They're not. Here's the same thing with power. A, a lot of times, most of us are praying for titles, but we should be praying for some humility. <laughs> because what I've learned in my life, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to necessarily, like, like, please, like, don't get, I want to be humble. Lord, I want to know what it means to be generous, because then I know that you'll trust me with something greater. What I've often learned about Jesus is this, is that he will give to those who are faithful with little and generous to some. Can I get an amen? It empowers rather than overpowers. You see, Jesus washing feet is, was actually kind of like a, a commissioning of sorts. He's washing their feet, and what is he doing? Um, by the way, you're going to do greater things than I'll ever do. See, here's the thing. Do people around you, do they feel empowered by you or consistently overpowered by you? If you want to know what it truly means to, to lead, try power overpowering others. I remember uh, when I was in high school, and probably some of you all had this experience as well. I mean, I was a punk, okay? Like, not like the style punk. I was crazy. Like, I was cut in class. I was insane in high school. And I remember this. I remember there was this one teacher who would walk around calling me pastor. <laughs> no, this is a true story. Like, Jason is his name. He would walk around. He would call me Pastor Joao. And I remember laughing. I mean, I played on the basketball team. And I remember just, like, being crazy. I remember I, I used to do pranks every year. I put charcoal once in all the toilet bathrooms. Don't ask me why. Don't get any ideas, guys. And he would walk around, and he was like, hey, 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 Pastor Joao, Pastor Joao, Pastor Joao. What was he doing? He was pulling the gold that I didn't even see in myself. What do you talk about a leader that loves to empower others is a leader that likes to pull the gold out of others. What is Jesus doing in this moment? He's getting down on his feet to say, listen, I know y'all are just some 12 random guys that I picked up, that I called. But listen, what if there's something on your life that you don't even see now? My question is this. Do you know, what if the church could be so good at calling out the gifts in people? Like, like what if the church could be so good at saying, you're an apostle, you're an prophet, you're an evangelist. God's going to make your name great. No, no, no. What if we could be the type of people that could pull so much? much gold out of people that people just want to come to church because they always feel inspired is this helping somebody number one servant leadership loves to empower rather than overpower and here's my second one and this is my favorite one and this is going to be a little hard to talk through but servant leadership is fueled by love you see the bible says that jesus the Bible says that God is love. See, God doesn't do anything he's not. Human beings, we love to do that. We say we love, but often our actions, here's the thing. God's doing is always in, in correlation to his being. His character is just who he is. And you see, in this moment, 
he had a man named Judas. Think about this. Judas. Really? If I knew a guy was about to sell me and backstab me, do you think I'd be getting down washing his feet? Some of you guys are like, yes, I would. You're a super Christian. Like, I would, I'm just not like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'll definitely just sit down and wash his feet. Like, really? That's, you're a saint. God bless you. And he's over there. But it's almost as if Jesus is saying this. You could backstab me. You could sell me. In fact, you could even put some nails on my hands on the cross. But it will never stop me being from who I am. Hear me. Judas couldn't stop Jesus from being Jesus because he betrayed him. And how many times in my life do I allow people's hurt to stop me from being who God has called me to be? Like, you got to hear me. How many of us have stopped serving because of our hurt? Jesus had every right to complain about church hurt. I mean, can we keep it real real quick? Jesus had every right to complain about church hurt. I mean, he could have gone and be like, oh, dang, like, like, I, if, I, if it was me, I'm, like, I'm going to put myself in the text just for a second. I don't do that too much. But I'm like, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, I would look at the 11 other guys who are nice. I'd be like, let's go out. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's set a committee. And what are we going to do? Like, justice. Like, what, what are we going to do about this guy? Like, I want to behead this guy or do something. I can't stand this dude. Instead, the radiance of God's glory got down and washed his feet while the devil was already in him. And here's what's crazy. <laughs> Judas betraying Jesus only got Jesus closer to the cross. <laughs> you could wash your enemy's feet knowing that it's going to get you closer to your destiny. Because God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And he is a sovereign king on a throne. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for Come on, say it a little bit louder. God will use for it. And so here's what we have to stop looking at. We have to stop looking at something the enemy does like he has all the power. Listen, if you're a believer and you fall in love with Jesus every single day, this is why it's important to fall in love with your master. Because the more you fall in love with him, the more of his love will get in you. And the more of that love that no one could take from you. You know how many years I've walked away from helping and serving because I thought I was going to get hurt? And we will live in self-preservation mode. But when we get to the end, listen, I don't want to get to the end of my life saying, oh, he was really good at self-preserving. Oh, he was really good at being bitter. I want to get to heaven one day and I want to hear a Lord saying, my faithful, my good and faithful servant, you've done, listen, my, my, my audience is not you. My audience is God. Is this helping somebody? Servant leadership is fueled by love. Here's the third one. I'm going to go through this one quickly because I want to get to number four. Servant leadership does the dirty work. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is good. Um, you know, it's great. I, I grew up, I didn't grow up in church, but I, I, I grew up in a, in a teaching that said that you will rule and reign with God. What that really means is that he's calling you to wash people's feet. <laughs> I, could, can I get an, can, can I get some? <laughs> Here's what happens. We're like, I'm gonna, I'm, I, am, I am God's queen. 
I'm a princess from above. I deserve the best. Serve me. Actually, ruling and reigning with God means that you'll have eternity with him. And therefore, you don't need earth to look like what you want it to look like. And he got down on his feet and he washed. What's that symbolism is that Jesus can clean you, friend. This is the radical thing of the gospel, is that there is no dirt that you have walked in with that Jesus can't clean. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know what you've been with. I don't know what, I don't know what you did last night. I'm just glad you're here right now. Like, God has such a big plan for your life. It does not matter what you have done when his grace gets involved. And he will go into any life and clean that life. And you see, we don't live for purity. We live from purity. That I am pure in Jesus because he has washed everything of my life. It's like Peter said, wash everything, bro. Just come on, come on. Just wash, just bathe it all. Just take it all out. I feel like sometimes we come in church and we keep our dirt. And like God said, I want to clean that thing. But he got down to do what no one else did. I read a scholar that said that the only reason Jesus had to get down and wash their feet, I don't know if this is true or not. It could be. Makes for good preaching. It said that, the reason that they had to wash down and get their feet is because the disciples forgot to pay someone to come and wash their feet. Because in that time and place, you would get someone to come and wash. If, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, really, y'all? Y'all didn't get someone? Like, I delegated this leadership to you, and you didn't hire someone to come wash feet? Instead, Jesus shut his mouth, the radiance of God's glory, and got down to do what no one else wanted to do. Here's servant leadership. A lot of times Christians complain about what they should be changing. Instead, instead of fighting for people, we fight people. And instead of actually changing someone's life, we do a better job at posting comments on IG. And what I've learned a little bit about my life is that if there's a need, I am called to fill it. See, tomorrow you're going to go to work. Someone's walking through depression. That's the dirt. That's what you pray for. Tomorrow when you go into your job, someone's marriage is on the rocks. Guess it, that's why you're there. Like, like, I used to be like, fall away from like, Lord, oh, really? Right now. And said, you know what I've started doing in my life? Lord, put something in my way that's dirty. I got to fix it. Like, I'm like the guy from Dirty Jobs. Put me right there. Like, I, listen, I pray someone just, listen, like, I pray someone just like comes around that's like paralyzed. I can pray for them. Like, I just pray. I mean, I, I pray I see a need right there. I could just go and fill it. Why? Because when you become a Christian, you love to do what no one else does. And here's the fourth one. Servant leadership is not only taught, but caught. Did you, who in this room, you grew up in a household where your parents love to cook, love to cook, love to cook, love to cook, love to cook. All right, I love it, I love it. Actually, I just want to hear, you can just say it out loud. What did your parents like to cook? One, two, three. Chicken cutlet? <laughs> who said chicken cutlet? I love it. No, hey, if it's good chicken cutlet, listen. I, that was good, actually. Anybody else, just, just shout it out loud. Tacos. Was it Taco Tuesdays? LeBron James, everyone. Not better than Michael Jordan, amen. Anyways, ADHD, ADHD, come back, come back. For those of you who don't know, you don't know that LeBron James is Taco Tuesdays. Anyways, so I grew up in a household where my dad loved to make bread. You ever smelled hot bread? 
the radiance of the glory of God. Can I get a name? Like every day, anyone, who does not like hot bread? Raise your hand. Wow, amen. Praise God. Praise God. I am, I am, I'm a European. This is what we do. And so my dad used to make hot bread. And until realized, I, I, I got married not, not too long ago. And my wife was like, you never cook for me. You never cook. You never cook. And I'm like, fine, I'll cook. And I mean, the only thing I, I, I remember watching my, I remember like, well, can I like make bread? She's like, yeah, I guess. And, and here's what's crazy, not to toot my own horn, okay? But your boy made some banging bread. I, it was really good. I, I mean, everything else is like so part. I made some really good bread. And I remember my wife asked me, she was like, you know, what did you do? I'm like, I have no idea. I have no clue. And here's what happened. I watched my dad do it my whole life where I was just able to do it. No one had to teach me a thing. You see, this is often true about discipleship. You got to hear me. The way you live your life will inspire people to live that life more than the words you ever say. Sometimes the only sermon you will ever preach is the life you live. We need less preachers and more people being like Jesus. Come on. Like, like. Uh, here, here's what happens. Uh, what if we could live our life in such a way that our service actually inspires a generation to serve? We got to stop talking about servant leadership and being servants. What ga- Listen, Jesus says, you're not greater than your master. I want you to do this as well. Jesus is setting a standard, like a precedent to saying, if I'm going to do this as the radiance of God's glory, this is how I want you to live your life. Your service will inspire people more than anything else will ever inspire people. Some of the most inspirational people I have ever met were serving day after day, being selfless. There's a couple in our church, James and Elizabeth, shout out to them. They're all the way in Gainesville. And these people, and you know James and Elizabeth, they're in rooms with people that most of us would only dream of being in. I mean, you, y'all got to hear me. When I say room, I mean, if I was to say names, y'all would know the names, especially in the football world. And they live a blessed life and. And what's crazy is I remember showing up like three months ago to a college service. Shout out to Justin Benjamin, for those who know him. And uh, I, remember, I remember showing up, and here's these two blessed men and women of God, James and Elizabeth. They're out taking trash. Like no one sees them. And they're here taking trash. Another thing, they, 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 they host micro churches every week in their house. Like, and they're constantly taking people in the other way. They, they, they allowed someone to stay in their house because she didn't have a place to go. And here they are week after week after week. They're pouring into our serve team week for no dollar, by the way, and week after week after week, and they don't even need to. Yet no one ever looks at James and Elizabeth and says, hmm, they're subservient. They're like low. You will always be inspired by the people that have served you. Come on, do y'all believe that? Come on, give God a shout of praise. And I'm going to end with this. I, um, just a personal story of mine. Worship team, I, I, worship team, y'all could come back up as well. And, um, I, um, just a little journey of mine. Um, can we keep it real? Can we keep it real? About two years ago, I, um, I was, uh, I was a youth pastor and we were up in New Jersey. Any New Jersey folk in the room? Oh, come on. We gotta, I got to say hi to you after. That's what I'm talking about. Jersey in the house. Pork roll or Taylor ham? No one gets that joke except the Jersey people. Anyways, and I remember um, I was a youth pastor, and it, it, God was blessing it. It was, a, it was a fun time in my life. I was getting married, and um, we had, I mean, 
probably at that point, it was one of the largest youth ministries in the Northeast. And, um, and I'm saying that to, to get to a point. Um, there was one morning, true story, I, um, I woke up with heart palpitations. And at this point, I'm only, about two years ago, I was only about 27 years old. And I remember just having heart palpitations. I was, I didn't know what it was. I woke up with these heart palpitations. I woke up with body tremors. It was almost like I had Parkinson's, right? And it was just insane of my symptoms. And I didn't know what was going on. And my body was shaking. And I was, I was having an insane panic attack. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And in fact, I had so much panic attacks at that point that I went to the hospital about four or five times. And at that point, of course, oftentimes we don't give a space for men for safety. And I felt like I had to keep this, like, this aura, right, of the man of God, which is absolute crap, by the way, right? We live that life actually thinking that. And I remember just waking up, and I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I, I have to leave ministry. I can't do this no more. I, I was working about 70 hours a week, and, um, you know, and so I remember just leaving ministry because I wanted to be a son of God again. And like some of you in this room, maybe you can't relate to that in a sense of ministry, but listen, you are a minister at your job. You are a minister in your house. You are an amazing mom, an amazing father. You have a business to run. You have people to lead. All of us have leadership, but we often get to a point where we allow what we lead to take hold of who we are. And I remember at that point, just like, I almost, to be honest, I went through a suicidal season as well. I had no idea what was going on. And what happened was I forgot what it meant to be a son of God. And so I told God, I said, Lord, I am never going to preach another sermon. I'm leaving ministry. I'm going to like just go out and, you know, I don't know, I'm married. I'm going to like, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm going to go find a job, maybe get into real estate, do something. But I just went one day to the next. Heart palpitations, crazy. That whole year, I had about 15 panic attacks. And I didn't know why. I did not understand it. And I remember it was about a year in. And... Um, You know, our funds were running out, and I was in a very, very hard season of life. My wife and I, we sold our house. We wanted to just travel a little bit. And, and I remember a year in feeling so low and so broken and so alone. I felt like a lot of the friends I used to have. You know, it, it's so funny how many friends you have when life is going good. You try to go through a little something, then you'll see a friend. Could I get an amen? And, and I remember just going through it. And I remember, my, I remember looking at my wife, and I'm like, babe, funds are running out, girl. We got to do something here. We traveled for like months. We sold our house. We're, we're having a decent time. I went to the Grand Canyon. I did all this stuff. I had fun and while having panic attacks, by the way, which is like trying to go on vacation while not being at peace. It's not a vacation. And I remember a year in, I'm like, you know, I'm probably going to have to do like DoorDash or Uber Eats or something. And um, I remember just like getting in my car and, and I remember it was like two, three in the morning. I'm just slaving away and I'm not making what I used to make and I wasn't doing what I was doing and I remember just feeling so low and I had felt like I had messed up in life and here I am getting into my late 20s and, and I remember it was like two or three in the morning. Um, I had left Sonic <laughs> for an order and um, I'm gonna cry by the way because I'm a cry baby. And I remember seeing these men, like these homeless men and it was freezing, it's New Jersey. It was about negative four degrees outside. I remember seeing these men out there, they were homeless and they were in these blankets and you know, I don't, we never really told anyone these stories but I remember just being like, well, it's two or three in the morning And uh, I feel like this is my purpose in God right now. Like, I'm going to come here every day at this time, and I'm going to give them food. And I remember for weeks on months, I remember just going to those men, and it's like three or four of them, it turned to like 30 people that I didn't even tell my wife. She was like thinking I'm outdoor doing DoorDash. 
I'm out there like hanging out with like homeless people. And I remember just at that time, just being like, just crying. Cause I had felt like I had messed up in life. And I'm like, well, no one knows my name anymore. No one cares. And there's only a couple times in my life that I could say this. There's only about four times in my life where I know that I know that God spoke to me. And I remember this is one of those moments that God spoke to me. After sitting there and just like doing stuff with like a bunch of home, homeless people, negative five degrees outside. Remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. And Holy Spirit said, this is promotion. Y'all gotta hear me. This is promotion. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is an upside down kingdom. And what we often think is promotion in the world's eyes is demotion in God's eyes. Listen, I believe that God's gonna give you a name. The Bible says, I will make your name great. I believe that God will, listen, I believe that God will give you the nations. I really believe that. It's not prosperity teaching, it's Bible teaching. I believe that God will give you the business of your dreams. But the way up is actually down. If you want to go high, you actually got to go low. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, here's my challenge and my exhortation today. Can you get low enough to serve? God will trust you with the nations. And so I want you to think about your life right now as we come to a close. The Bible says that if you do for the least of these, you will be great in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Matthew 25, when it says that Jesus, when he returns, hear me, this is not me speaking, it's the Bible speaking. When he returns, he's going to be looking for those who are serving. It says, blessed is the man whose master catches him serving when he comes. If we want to be ready for the second coming of Christ, he has to find us on our knees serving. And so with all eyes bowed and from the front to the back, even online, if you're watching, we love you and we're grateful for you. Um, with every eye closed, and I want y'all to just, even right now, um, holiness of God, holy, holy, holy are you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to quicken into our minds which you've called us to do on this earth, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves here at your throne. Lord, we are not greater than you. Lord, you are immeasurable, innumerable, worthy of all praise and adoration, God. We don't deserve your presence, but you've given it to us, Lord. Lord, when you speak, demons shudder. When you speak, kingdoms just collapse. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand for eternity. Lord, we believe this. Lord, one day you will be sitting on your throne and we'll be at your throne singing holy, holy, holy. And so, Father, we come in reverence and in awe. Forgive us for thinking that we can control our lives, God. But we give you everything. So we're going to open up these altars if y'all want to pray a little bit. And so just repeat after me, Jesus. Come on, say it a little louder. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. Make us servants. Make us servants. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, in Jesus' name, everybody said. 
Come on, give God a shout of praise. Come on, amen.